0: Howdy, you're listening to the Texas A&M RUF podcast. Hope you enjoyed the talk.
1: Hey everyone. So for today's scripture reading, we good. So for tonight's scripture reading, we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians 7 and Matthew 19. So if you want to follow along during the scripture reading on the screen, I'll go ahead and read. Now, as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am, But each has his own gift from God, one of a kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife and his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. Y'all better to with me in prayer. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for giving this opportunity for us to provide this opportunity for us to come together every week, every Wednesday, to be able to build and cultivate all these godly relationships. I'm thankful that you have this spot on us for us to come together on AM's campus every Wednesday. I pray that you'll bless the sermon that Austin is about to give to us and bless the night following as we fellowship together here and on the weekends. Amen.
0: Uh, Awesome. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, Y'all, welcome to RUF. My name is Austin McCann. I'm an RUF campus minister here. Uh, If this is your first time to RUF, uh, walking through the doors of all faiths, really, we're we're glad you're with us. Uh, we, We say this all the time, that we believe you're never so good that you stand outside the need of God's grace, while at the same time you're never so bad that you stand outside the reach of His grace. And we really believe that. We hope that you actually taste that when you come to RUF and you experience that. Interacting with me and the community here. Um, so if you've been with us, we've been walking through our series in relationships. Normally our pattern, every large group, is we take a book of the Bible and we march through. But this special, we're actually looking at what the Bible has to say about relationships. How we relate to God, how we relate to one another, and how we relate to this world. And so tonight, uh, we come to the topic of sing- singleness, okay? And the question is like, why? Well, there's two reasons I want to offer you tonight. Why are we talking about singleness? Okay. Firstly, let's clear the air here, okay? Right? The majority of you tonight, okay, are presently single. Alright? The, the Bible clearly gives, okay, three categories in regards to marriage. Okay? You are either married, you're either engaged, or you're single. Right? And you would probably think to yourself like, whoa. Like, Austin, how dare you? I'm dating someone, okay? Don't worry, the confusion about dating, that's going to come next week, okay? So the dating talk is coming, okay? But let me just say this. no, No matter how welded and attached you feel to that boyfriend or that girlfriend tonight, if you are not engaged and if you are not married, then you are still single tonight. And not only biblically are those categories, okay, but even our culture recognizes like, when you fill out a medical form, okay, with your personal information, what are the options? It's either I'm married or I'm single, <laughs> right? You don't have a blank that says, like, we're talking or, like, we've, we've Snapchatted a few times or, like, we DTR the relationship, like, a month ago, right? Like, like even our culture recognizes this. Like, 98% of you in this room are, te- technically speaking, tonight are single. Therefore, everything that Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 7 tonight has to do with you. Because that's presently where you are. And so that's the first reason, okay? The second reason is this is that we're we're talking about this tonight because our of our culture's idolatry. Right? Like our culture elevates romance and sex and marriage, which are good things, to ultimate things. Right? We know this, right? Our culture, it idolizes them to a godlike quality that says, that if you don't have romance and sex and marriage in your life, then you're weird and you're a failure. Right? And many of you tonight, like I know that resonates, okay? Especially you seniors, like, you feel that pressure from friends because it feels like everyone around you is getting engaged. Right? You can feel that from your families, like when when you're inevitably like that grandmother or that aunt like, asks you at every social event, do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend yet? Like. You even feel that, even like from Christian circles, right? Where you, you feel as you get older, the more pressure to find someone to marry. The pressure of, it's actually better to be dating someone, no matter who that is, and it not work out, rather than to be content in this. And either way, what our world says is that it thinks that romance and sex is central to humanity. And the problem is, the scriptures never say that. Even other religions, right? Islam, Mormonism, you, your destiny, okay, your heaven, your end goal, your, your telos is like with 70 virgins and like reaching this pinnacle of sexual satisfaction. Because that's the ultimate. But Christianity says, no. Nope. Actually, Jesus is the point. Jesus is the ultimate. And guess, like what that means tonight is that being a person who never gets married is not a person who is lacking. Actually, the single person, just like the married person, has every spiritual blessing in Jesus tonight. Right, so scriptures tonight hold out for us a very beautiful view and purpose for singleness. So I want to consider four essential characteristics of singleness tonight. Okay, How the Bible talks About singleness. So, if you're a note taker, here you go. Okay. So, first, we're going to look at the gift of singleness. Okay. Second, we're look we're going to look at the goodness of singleness. Then, the danger of singleness. And finally, the display of singleness. Okay. So, the gift, the goodness, the danger, and the display. Okay. So, first, singleness is a gift. The gift of singleness. Right at the beginning of this chapter, in okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you see that the Apostle Paul is actually responding to some questions that the Corinthian church had for Paul. Questions about sex, questions about marriage, questions of, about virginity and, and spiritual gifts. And here is Paul's response in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 6-7. He says, Now is a concession, not a command. I say this, I wish that all were as I am, single. Okay? But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, and one of another. And we say, like, okay, that's confusing, okay? Because Paul offers this personal remark and says that I wish that you would remain single as I am. But this is also the same Paul who writes in Ephesians 5 who who has an incredibly high view of marriage and says that it's actually an earthly picture of Jesus' love for the church. And it's important to know that, okay, that Paul never devalues marriage, okay? Never, he never does. He, he does in this in this passage, okay? He gives his concession and says, hey, if you get married, there are going to be more troubles in your life rather than the troubles that you've experienced if you weren't married at all. Why? Well, because you're marrying a sinner, and being married to another sinner, that's going to create some troubles. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Right? But in this concession... He's not elevating singleness as some elevated holier status, okay? But he also refuses to let anyone think of someone who is single to be incomplete or to be lacking or to be any less valuable in God's sight in regards to his kingdom, right? And so Paul uses the language here, the vocabulary of gift. Okay, why? Why? Well, what does it mean to see singleness as a gift from God in order to live for Jesus? Well, realize how beautiful this is, okay? It means this. It means first that you understand your ultimate purpose in this life. Okay? That, that your purpose, that my purpose, is not marriage and sex. But our purpose is in being created and redeemed and sustained by a God who calls us to seek after His kingdom and glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose, really. And that, I want you to hear that that actually frees us tonight to place singleness and marriage actually in its proper place, which are gifts to be used as means by which we accomplish that ultimate purpose in living for Him. Okay, so, (laughs) great. The two greatest commandments in the Bible are not get married and go have sex, okay? Whether, whether you're single or married, our call, the greatest two commandments in the Bible, is to love God and love others. Right? Don't forget all the way back to our, to our third large group, right? Don't forget God's will for your life, right? His will for your life is your sanctification. His ultimate purpose for you is for you, for your growth in Him, to love Him more. To look more like his son Jesus. And for some of you, that will look like singleness. And for others of you, that will mean marriage. Both are a gift to be used for God's glory. Right? And this, and this needs to be emph- emphasized tonight, okay? Because our culture, even the Christian culture, right, has so elevated the traditional family and marriage that a single person can kind of feel like a second class citizen, right? Kind of like a Hufflepuff. Right? Like, like, no one really wants to score a Hufflepuff in their house on the, on the quiz of Harry Potter, okay? Just admit that, right? Like, or, or if you do, you kind of say, yeah, I got, I got Hufflepuff, you know? Like, every Hufflepuff, I'm sorry, I know you're very offended right now. Um, so sorry to all the Hufflepuffs in the room, right? But, but, like, that's how, how we in our culture, like, view singleness, okay? To be kind of this, like, patronizing, um, like, you, you poor thing, you know, like, pat, pat on the head, right? But not according to the Bible. Singleness is actually a gift from God. It's exactly where He has you. Your relationship status has nothing to do with God's love for you. The gift of singleness in marriage comes from God, who is good. And it's cosmically impossible for the Lord, who is goodness goodness itself, to give you a bad gift. Right? Right? Have you seen those videos, like those videos of, of prank gifts, right? Like not gifts, GIFS, G-I-F-T-S, right? Like like where, where people actually like give someone like a huge box at Christmas and they start opening it and then it's just another smaller box and then they open it again and, it's just, and they just like spend hours like opening this box and usually like they get to the end and I don't know, it's like nothing's in there or it's like a picture of someone giving you the bird or something. like like. That's how we view singleness a lot of the times, when we hear that singleness is a gift, right? We're like, okay. But singleness, it's not that kind of gift from God. It's not a prank gift, okay? It's actually a precious gift. It's a meaningful gift. It's a purposeful gift. Why? Because all gifts come to you through the hands of the one who suffered and died for you. And and if you're here tonight and you're not married, You have that gift right now. And the question you have to answer for yourself tonight is this. Is what will you do with that gift? Like really? Like will you wallow in anger? Will you dismiss it? Will you refuse to receive it because you can't imagine the thought of ever being single? Like will will you abuse it by saying, man, like I'm still going to hook up and have sex with whoever I want. Like... You see, when when you forget your ultimate purpose and the gift giver, then you will always distort, neglect, misuse, and be angry about the gift of singleness. Always. One author says this, that that Paul never diminishes marriage, nor does he diminish singleness. Paul never, never elevates marriage, nor does he elevate singleness. What he diminishes is discontentment. And what he elevates is God's goodness to give good gifts to His people, all of His people. So we have to first acknowledge and see that singleness serves as a greater, more ult- serves a greater, more ultimate purpose for our lives, and that it is a gift from God, who is our gracious gift giver. Okay, that's our first point, point. and this leads us into our second point. Okay, the goodness of that good gift. Okay, the goodness of singleness. And look. Okay. Like, you can't get around what the Apostle Paul says here, okay? Trust me, people have tried. I think I've tried, right? Like, but, but if you look at verses 8 and verses 32 to 35 and, and verse 38 chapter 7, and even Jesus' words in Matthew 19, they're in agreement. Like, Paul is saying, yes, marriage is very good, but singleness may even be better. But first, it's equally important here to see this, okay? What Paul is not saying in this personal concession about staying single, okay? He is not saying that this is a command, that no one should get married and everyone should stay single. He's careful not to make this a requirement for all Christians, okay? He's not saying that you are in sin if you get married or if you stay single. Neither is a sin, okay? He's also not saying that you are raised to a higher degree of holiness and that you earn some kind of extra credit from God if you remain single, okay? Paul's not saying any of those things. However, he is saying that earthly marriage does complicate things. Right? Like Paul does the simple math for married people, okay? Some of the time and energy and attention that you spend caring for your spouse, it cannot also be spent on Jesus and others. Right? It, It doesn't mean that you won't find creative and meaningful ways to pursue Christ and do ministry together. Actually, you will and you should, when you get married, do those things, okay? But what it does mean is that you'll have to spend a lot of that time when you're married focused on your spouse's needs, which means that you're going to be limited in the time and your energy and resources that you have to be more free in concentrating your efforts in serving the Lord if you were not married, okay? So in marriage, listen to this, okay? Like, you will see and experience the gospel in ways that you never have before. While at the same time, you'll probably have a lot fewer opportunities to use your time and your resources and your and your energy than you did when you were single, okay? Right. I want you to think about the context here of, of why Paul is saying this statement. Because it's planted in verses 29 through 31. I didn't put it on the screen here, okay? But let me read it for you, okay? This is what Paul says. He says. This is what I mean, brothers. Okay, The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. And those who mourn as though that they were not mourning. And those who rejoice as though that they were not rejoicing. And those who buy as though they had no goods. And those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. In other words, what Paul is saying is that this life is short. You, and this is true of all of us, right? Like, you and everyone in here are probably going to kind of live on an average from 70 to 80 years, all right? I hope I don't look past 80. I don't know. I don't know.
1: 85. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. All right? But, like, that's what it will feel
0: like, okay? Like, these, these 80 to 70 years, okay, they will feel less like a bathroom break compared to the eternity that's ahead of us. Really. Everything in the world is teaching you to stretch out at every moment, as long as possible, to soak up every last drop of your time here. Every drop of pleasure. And sex and romance and marriage is one of those things that our culture says, you better get it before you die. But you weren't made for this world. (laughs) And you you won't be here for long, whether you think you will be or not. (laughs) You just won't. So yes, there is a sense of urgency in Paul when the Corinthians ask him about getting married. And he's saying, look, marriage is very good, but singleness may, may be even better. So spend the short time you have on this earth with the gift of singleness. Okay? So Paul puts his cards on the table. That's the context from which Paul is teaching and makes his suggestion in recognizing the advantage of singleness in serving the Lord. But he also is very careful not to require it of every Christian, okay? Right? Let me say this quickly, okay? In verse 9, right? Talking to men and women, he says, that if there is a lack of self-control, if you burn with passion, then get married. Quickly, two things about this verse, okay? Right? Paul does not mean that marriage serves as the sole purpose of sexual release, okay? You are not animals, okay? Secondly... When a man or woman reads this verse, they are to take their sexual desire and bring it into conformity to God's word. Right, we'll talk about this in a few weeks when we talk about sex and sexual brokenness. Okay, we'll come back to this. But Paul's point here is this. Is that all believers should serve the Lord according to the gifts that God has given and to those he's not given. And a lifelong single life of celibacy is not crazy. It's not weird, and on the contrary, scripture scripture argues that it's beautiful and good. And look, like I realized tonight that some of you, frankly, like you really just have no category for this, <laughs> like because all of us, we're honest, are just consumed by the fear of being single, right? And and you're so constantly thinking about how to be more dateable, or you're in an unhealthy relationship and refuse to end it, or. And Paul and Jesus are saying, look, there is actually something extremely valuable to the kingdom of God about being single. Like, and just think about college for a second. Like, really. <laughs> and this is one of the many things like, I love about RUF. And, like, I love walking alongside of all of you. It's because I get to, like to see your lives. Okay? And some of you have unreal schedules. Okay, Like, you tutor people. You're involved in RUF. You go to Bible studies. You're involved in your local church. You have amazing friendships with people you serve in like three organizations on campus somehow you you may spend like a spring break like on a mission trip, and somehow at the same time you're managing school and with all of that you still have time to go to the rec and work out like you guys really do amazing okay and you know why like a big reason you can do all those things it's because you're not married <laughs> like your schedule and the amount of things that you do is it's going to look different at some point when you get married it just will and hear me say this okay like this campus in this world it needs people who are single okay the church needs single people young single people middle-aged single people old single people because there are a lot of people that need to be loved so while you are single and yes even dating someone tonight Okay, because they don't have the right your, over your time. Okay, you're not married. We'll talk about that next week. Okay. Ask yourself this question. Like who around you needs your presence? Like who around you needs your time and needs your attention? Because it's obvious in calling in the calling of marriage your family when your wife is sick and when your kids are screaming and they're crying at 2 a.m. from a nightmare, like that's who you're supposed to love, okay? But as a college student right now. While you're called to singleness, which doesn't mean you can't date, go date, or pro date, go date, it's awesome. Okay? What, what needs do you see that, that no one else is seeing? Right? What are you noticing that needs attention that no one else seems to be paying attention to? There are ample people to love in your life, and you have the opportunity to do that. Don't waste your singleness. God says that it's a gift, that it's good, and it's for His glory. Okay, however, we know, right, that anything that is good is very dangerous, okay? And this leads us into our third point here, okay? The danger of singleness, all right? Look, this whole chapter, okay, chapter 7, and Paul's, really 6 and 7, okay, has a lot to say. But one of, the, one of Paul's major themes in this passage is actually about freedom. Okay, I didn't read it in verse 22. But Paul is saying that because of Jesus, you are free, Okay? Jesus has freed you from the tyranny of romance and this false idea of a perfect spouse or a soulmate that's out there, which doesn't exist, okay? It somehow will fulfill you, all right? So you are free tonight. You're free not to marry. But, but you are not free to be self-centered, okay? You're free to be single. Embrace that freedom right now. But this whole passage is calling you to live for Jesus as a single person, which means that you are not free to be selfish and self-centered. And that's the danger of singleness, which is just as true for marriage, okay? But marriage does force you to consider another person, right? And in singleness, there is an increased danger to think that it's okay to live for yourself. Right? Um, There was a campus minister, okay, uh, back in the day, and he uh, had a strong relationship, friendship with this senior guy, and he went up, or went, they went out for coffee. And, and this guy was dating this girl for a very long time, and um, and King's sister was like, hey, like, like when are y'all going to get engaged? Like, is this going to happen? And the student just kind of honestly looked back, and he's like, look, I'm just not, I'm not mature enough to get married. Uh, I'm probably going to wait another year or so, or something like that. And because the pastor knew him, because he loved him, okay, he looked at him and said, You're right, but if you're under the impression that a year of drinking beer and watching ESPN will get you there, then you're wrong. (laughs) You see, my friend wasn't saying that marriage does not bring maturity. It actually does and will. But he was saying that living a self-absorbed life will not lead to maturity. You see, you you are free to love and to have a rich relationship. And you are free to not marry, but you're not free to live in isolation. You're not free to avoid being a part of the community of Christ. You need it, and it needs you. Christ has bought you, and you belong to Him. Therefore, you belong to His body, the church. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Your energy, your time, your passion, your love, it belongs to your family, to Christ's church. Because if you are married, your gift of marriage is to benefit another. And so, too, is the gift of singleness. Your singleness is a gift to be used to benefit others. Right? There there are two symptoms that I've noticed in the danger of singleness here, okay, that I want to address. Because if, if you don't embrace this goodness of, this good gift that God has given us, and having you where you presently are, then you will do one of two things, okay? First, you will become desperate. All right? I see this just all the time. Right? Remember the Office episode? Okay, when Michael Scott, he, he's like obsessed with the, the chair model. I don't know if, if you've ever seen that. Like, he's like, but he like is flipping through this Info magazine and just sees this woman sitting on a chair because they're looking for chairs, and he's like, "That's it. That's my soulmate." Okay. Anyways, it's a hilarious episode. But there's this amazing line in this episode where Michael looks at the camera and he says, "I really like being single because every day I get a little more desperate." And desperate situations yield the quickest <laughs> yield the quickest results. Hilarious. But like it's it's so it's so true because if you become desperate, you become very pragmatic. Right? But the second danger is always connected to the first. Because what you'll end up doing is lowering your standard of who you choose to date. Because you've lowered your trust to God providing a man or woman who actually fears him above anything. Right? You'll give anyone attention ignoring the red flags along the way because desperate situations yield the quickest results. Or you'll stay in that toxic relationship because at least having someone bad for you is better than not having anyone at all. Um, I knew a pastor one time who who officiated a wedding for a 45-year-old woman, and um, her name was Claire. And uh, you... This is not always true, but usually, like, you go to weddings, okay, um, usually, like, that wedding and that wedding party will, a lot of the times, look kind of like the groom and the bride, right? There will be kind of a shared resemblance, okay? So, if you've been very kind of poor weddings or, like, the poverty is stricken, then you'll kind of see the same thing. If you've been a very high-class weddings, you'll notice kind of similarities, okay? It's not one-to-one, but you'll see some similarities there, and... My friend, when he stood up to officiate Claire's wedding, he looked out at the congregation, and he was shocked. Because when he looked at the wedding party, like her bridesmaids, and even the husband's groomsmen, and he looked out into the congregation, he saw that it was so diverse, filled with the poor and the rich, handicapped, people who were old and young, families. Why? Why? Because this bride, for her entire life, she had been using her singleness to reach and to love all sorts of different people in her life. And her wedding reflected that. That she used the time that she had while she was, on, while she was single to bless the church. And it reflected itself. You, you see, you, you have so many opportunities in this season in your life to have deep and meaningful relationships. But the danger is that when we become consumed by the fear that we're going to be alone forever, we sometimes think that singleness equals loneliness. You hear me say this, the gift of singleness is not the same thing as loneliness. Let me say that again. The gift of singleness is not the same thing as loneliness. Don't miss the five people on your hall that are dying for someone to stop and talk to them. Like, don't miss the opportunity you have with your roommates to serve them and get to know them and to enjoy them. (coughs) Don't miss serving your church in a way that you've never had before during college and, yes, even beyond. Don't miss the fact that God has you where you are, whether single or married. To love Him and to love others. That is your purpose. And this leads us to our last point, okay? The display of singleness. Singleness. Because here's the real real battle, right? Right. Many of you who, are, who aren't dating okay, tonight, like we just feel like God is withholding something from us that we really need. Right? You, you feel like your Heavenly Father would just be a little bit more loving if you were finally asked out on the date, or that you weren't rejected so often. Or if you were just finally engaged and had what your roommates had. We really do think that the Lord would be better to me. He would be more good to me. He would be more loving to me if he changed my relationship status. And we really think that he is withholding. So how can we trust the character of a father, the gift giver, wherever God has you, whether you're single, engaged, or married to First is this, is that God promises to not just to save you, but to save you into his family. And to give you a family in His church. Singleness terrifies us because we say to ourselves, I'm going to be lonely forever. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not a part of your redemption. But whether single or married, when you become God's child, you also gain brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. You're never saved into loneliness. He gives you a new family in His church and you're not alone. That's true. And secondly, he gives you himself. Right? Singleness scares us because we think to ourselves, I'll never have true intimacy w- without having sex. And C- Christian, you need to hear this tonight. that, that Your sexuality is, is not wasted if you never have sex. It just isn't. <laughs> it also isn't wasted if you have. Okay? We're talking about that later on. Right? Don't you see that what you're displaying to the world to a sex-crazed, romantic world, that romance and sex are ultimate. But in Christ, we possess what is ultimate. That Jesus is enough. That he really does satisfy. That he is the God-man. And in every way, he displayed what God is like. Not only, though, was he God, he was also man. He also displayed what the fullness of humanity looked like. And guess what? He never had sex <laughs> and he is fully human. Romans 8:32 says this, okay? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And no matter where you are tonight, okay? This is your gift giver. <laughs> Think about this. What was the cost of my redemption? Like what did God the Father have to give up to have me? He gave the most precious gift that He had. He gave something of infinite value. He gave up His only Son to be on the lonely on the cross for you. So that you would never have to. Jesus on the cross cries out in terror, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? As he takes the penalty of our sin, he takes the loneliness, he takes the abandonment, the wrath, and the anger that you and I deserve. The Father gave up his Son so that he could bring you into his family, so that you would never have to be alone, ever, but to be with him and his people forever. Let me tell you about George, okay? Not George Devaney, old artisan term. Oh, Lovely oh, guy. Oh. Um, <laughs> we still love George, okay? Uh, right, different George. Uh, George was a college student, okay, uh, who struggled to see, actually, physically, okay? He began to go blind, actually, in high school, and it actually continued to get worse and worse as he got into college. And it actually he actually ended up getting engaged in college. But it was around the same time that he was actually beginning to lose fully his eyesight altogether that actually his fiance left him and called off the wedding. And uh, he continued in his studies. Now he was blind and he was completely alone. And George's sisters actually came alongside him and they encouraged him in his depression. And the story goes that it was after one of his sisters became engaged, he just it crushed him. Right? He became so depressed and he wrestled with the fact like God, like, what are you doing in my life? And then in 1882 out of that experience George Matheson wrote these words that we sing very regularly in all the A love that will not let me go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flowed May richer, fuller be. You see, whether you are married or betrothed or unmarried tonight, if you are a Christian, you need to know something very important. That Jesus was single. He was single for you. He was lonely. For you. He never second-guessed God's goodness, even in the loneliest moments of his life. Marriage displays the picture of the gospel, but singleness displays the sufficiency of the gospel. Marriage displays the picture of the gospel, but singleness displays the sufficiency of the gospel. You see, tonight God never promises any of us. He never promises marriage. He never promises us a singleness. He promises Himself. He promises that whatever He calls us to, no matter how long... Or how hard He will never cease being good to us. Aggie RUF, let's not waste our singleness. It's a unique privilege to display to the world that Jesus alone satisfies and that His gospel is sufficient. That's an invitation. Let's pray. Father, we praise You that You came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. And you went to the cross, Father, and you cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Lord, you were forsaken. You were abandoned. You were lonely so that we would never have to be. You saved us into a family that we are your children now. Lord, would you teach us to love the gift of singleness? Would you teach us to cherish it? Would you teach us how to embrace it and live in it And love those around us. Would you teach us not to be selfish in it? To live a life that is sacrificial. That displays your glory. That displays your goodness. That displays who you are to this world. Would you help us, Lord? We need that help. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Texas A&M RUF podcast. If you're interested in joining us for a large group, we would love to see you at All Faiths Chapel on the north side of campus across from Sabisa, at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go ahead and follow at AggieRUF on Instagram for updates about any other events we're putting on. We hope to see you around. Thanks and gig'em.